Yes, hello, this is Ken Anderson's podcast, and it's the 17th of January 2023. The time is 19.06, and it is Tuesday. Now, today we're going to pick up where we left off. We have come to First King, chapter number 14. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. So Jeroboam said to his wife, Rise up, please, and disguise yourself so that they will not know that you are Jeroboam's wife, and go to Silo. Look, Ahijah the prophet is there. He is the one who spoke of me becoming king over this people. Take with you ten loaves of bread, sprinkled cakes, and a flask of honey, and go to him. He will then tell you what is going to happen to the boy. Yelbom's wife did what he said. She rose up and went to Silo and came to the house of Ahijah. Ahijah's eyes stared straight ahead, and he could not see because of his age. But Jehovah had told Ahijah, here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to inquire of you regarding her son, for he is sick. I will tell you what to say to her. When she arrives, she will conceal her identity. As soon as Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she was coming into the entrance, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you concealing your identity? I have been assigned to give you a harsh message. Go tell Jeroboam. This is what Jehovah, the God of Israel, says. I raised you up from among your people to make you a leader over my people Israel. Then I ripped the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you have not become like my servant David, who kept my commandments and who walked after me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. But you have done worse than all those who were prior to you, and you made for yourself another god and a metal image to offend me, and it is I whom you have turned your back on. For that reason I am bringing calamity on the house of Jeroboam, and I will annihilate from Jeroboam every male, including the helpless and weak in Israel, and I will make a clean sweep of the house of Jeroboam, just as one clears away the dung until it is all gone." Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens will eat, for Jehovah has spoken. Now rise up, go to your house. When you set foot in the city, the child will die. All Israel will mourn him and bury him, for he alone of Jeroboam's, Jeroboam's family will be laid in a grave because he is the only one of the house of Jeroboam in whom Jehovah the God of Israel has found something good. Jehovah will raise up for himself a king of Israel who will do away with the house of Jeroboam from that day forward, yes, even now. Jehovah will strike Israel down like a reed that sways in the water, and he will uproot Israel of this good land that he gave to their forefathers, and he will scatter them beyond the river, because they made their sacred poles offending Jehovah. And he will abandon Israel because of the sin that Jeroboam has committed and has caused Israel to commit. At that Jeroboam's wife rose up and went on her way and came to Tirsa. As he came to the threshold of the house, the boy died. So they buried him, and all Israel mourned him, according to Jehovah's word that he had spoken through his servant Ahijah the prophet. And the rest of the history of Jeroboam, 
how he waged war, and how he reigned, is written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Israel. At the length of Jeroboam's reign was twenty-two years, after which he was laid to rest with his forefathers, and his son Nadab, Nadab became king in his place. Meanwhile, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, had become king in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that Jehovah had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel as the place to put his name. The name of Rehoboam's mother was Nahamah, the Amorites, and Judah was doing what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah, and by the sin they committed, they provoked him more than their forefathers had done. They too kept building for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and sacred poles on every high hill and under every luxurating tree. There were also male temple prostitutes in the land. They acted according to all the detestable things of the nations that Jehovah had driven out before the Israelites. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, King Shishak of Egypt came up against Jerusalem. He took the treasures of the house of Jehovah and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything, including all the gold shields that Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made copper shields to replace them, and he entrusted them to the chiefs of the guard, who guarded the entrance of the king's house. Whenever the king came to the house of Jehovah, the guard would carry them, and, they, and then they would return them to the guard's chamber. And the rest of the history of Rehoboam, all that he did, is not, it is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Judah. There was constant warfare between Rehoboam and Rehoboam, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Then Rehoboam was laid to rest with his forefathers and was buried with his forefathers in the city of David. His mother's name was Nama. The Amorites and his son Abijam became king in his place. Chapter number 15 In the 18th year of King Rehoboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. He reigned for three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Maka, the granddaughter of Abishalom. He went on walking in all the sins that his father committed prior to him, and his heart was not complete with Jehovah his God, like the heart of David his forefather. However, on account of David, Jehovah his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by raising up his son after him and keeping Jerusalem in existence. For David did what was right in the eyes of Jehovah, and he did not turn aside from anything that he had commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And there was warfare between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. As for the rest of the history of Abijam, all that he did, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Judah? There was also war between Abijam and Jeroboam. Then Abijam was laid to rest with his forefathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and his son Asa became king in his place. 
In the 20th year of King Jeroboam of Israel, Asa began to reign over Judah. He reigned in Jerusalem for 41 years. His grandmother's name was Maaka, the granddaughter of Abishalom. Asa did what was right in the eyes of Jehovah, like David, his forefather. He expelled the male temple prostitutes from the land and removed all the disgusting idols that his forefathers had made. He even removed Maaka, his grandmother, from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene idol for the worship of the sacred pole. Asa cut down her obscene idol and buried it in the Kidron Valley, but the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was complete with Jehovah all his life, and he brought the things that he and his father had made holy into the house of Jehovah, silver, gold, and various utensils. There was constant warfare between Asa and Baalsha, the king of Israel. So King Baasha of Israel began, became up against Judah and began to build up Ramah to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to King Asa of Judah. At that, Asa took all the silver and the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of Jehovah and the treasures of the house of the king and handed them over to his servants. King Asa then sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabrimon, the son of Hishion, the king of Syria, who was dwelling in Damascus, saying, There is a treasury between me and you, there is a treaty between me and you, and between my father and your father. I am sending you a gift of silver and gold. Come break your treaty with King Baasha of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the chiefs of his armies against the city of Israel, and they struck down Ijon, Dan, Abel, Bet, Maaka, all Chinerets, and all the land of Naphtali. When Baasha heard of it, he immediately quit building Rama and continued dwelling in Tirsa. King Asa then summoned all Judah. No one was exempt, and they carried off the stones and timbers of Rama that Baasha had been building with, and with them King Asha built up Giba in Benjamin and Mizpah. As for all the rest of the history of Asa, all his mightiness and all that he did and the cities that he built, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Judah? But in his old age he suffered from a disease in his feet, then Asa was laid to rest with his forefathers and was buried with them in the city of David, his forefather. And his son, Jehoshaphat, became king in his place. Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king of Israel in the second year of King Asa of Judah, and he reigned over Israel for two years. He kept doing what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin that he caused Israel to commit. Baasha, the son of Ahiah, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Baasha struck him down at Gibetron, which belongs to the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel were besieging Gibetron. So Baasha put him to death in the third year of King Asher of Judah, and became king in his place. 
And as soon as he became king, he struck down all the house of Jeroboam. He did not let any, he did not let remain anyone breathing who belonged to Jeroboam. He had them annihilated according to Jehovah's word that he had spoken through his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. This was because of the sins that Jeroboam had committed and had caused Israel to commit, and because he had greatly offended Jehovah the God of Israel. As for the rest of the history of Nadab, all that he did is it not written in the book of the history of the times of king of Israel. And there was constant warfare between Asa and king Baasha of Israel. In the third year of king Asher of Judah, Baasha the son of Ahiah became king in Tirzah over all Israel and reigned for twenty-four years. But he kept doing what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah, and he walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin that he caused Israel to commit. Chapter number 16 The word of Jehovah against Baasha then came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, saying, I raised you up out of the dust and made you leader over my people Israel. But you kept walking in the way of Jeroboam, and caused my people Israel to sin, so that they offended me with their sin. So I am making a clean sweep of Baasha and his house, and I will make his house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyone belonging to Baasha who dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and anyone belonging to him who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens will eat. As for the rest of the history of Baasha, what he did and his mightiness, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Israel? Then Baasha was laid to rest with his forefathers and was buried in Tiasa, and Elah his son became king in his place. Also, though the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, Jehovah's word, came against Baasha and his house, both both because of all the badness that he committed in the eyes of Jehovah by offending him with the works of his hands, becoming like the house of Jeroboam, and also because of his striking him down. In the twenty-sixth year of the king Asher of Judah, Elah, the son of Baasha, became king of Israel in Tirzah, and he reigned for two years. His servant Shimri, the chief of half of his chariot forces, conspired against him while he was in Tirzah, drinking himself drunk at the house of Asa, who was over the household of Tirzah. Shimri came in and struck him down and put him to death in the twenty-seventh year of King Asa of Judah, and he became king in his place. When he became king, as soon as he had sat down on his throne, he struck down all the house of Baasha. He did not spare a single male, whether of his relatives or of his friends. Thus Shimri annihilated the whole house of Baasha according to the word that Jehovah had spoken against Baasha through Jehu the prophet. This was for all the sins that Baasha and his son Elah had committed and the sins they had caused Israel to commit by offending Jehovah the God of Israel with their worthless idols. As for the rest of the history of Elah, all that he did is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Israel. 
In the 27th year of King Asher of Judah, Shimri became king for seven days in Tiasa, while the troops were camped against Gibrotron, which belongs to the Philistines. In time, the troops who were encamped heard it, uh, heard it being said, Shimri has conspired and has also struck down the king. So all Israel made Omri, the chiefs of the army, king over Israel on that day in the camp. Omri and all Israel with him went up from Gibbethorn and led siege to Tirzah. When Shimri saw that the city had been captured, he went into the fortified tower of the king's house and burned the house down over himself and he died. This was for his own sins that he had committed by doing what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah, by walking in the way of Jeroboam, and for the sin he had caused Israel to commit. As for the rest of the history of Simri and his conspiracy, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Israel? It was then that the people of Israel were divided into two fractions. One part of the people became followers of Tipni, the son of Ginath, wanting to make him king, and the other part following Omri. But the people who were following Omri prevailed over the people following Tipni, the son of Ginath. So Tipni died, and Omri became king. In the, 20, in the 31st year of King Asher of Judah, Omri became king of Israel, and he reigned for 12 years. In Tirzah he reigned for six years, He bought the mountains of Samaria from Shemert for two talents of silver, and he built a city on the mountain. He named the city that he built Samaria, after Shema, the owner of the mountain. Omri kept doing what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah, and he was worse than all who were prior to him. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebath, and in the sin he had caused Israel to commit by offending Jehovah, the God of Israel, with their worthless idols. As for the rest of the history of Omri, what he did and his mighty exploits, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the kings of Israel? Then Omri was laid to rest with his forefathers and was buried in Samaria, and his son Ahab became king in his place. Ahab, the son of Omri, became king of Israel in the 38 years of King Asher of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. Ahab, the son of Omri, was worse in the eyes of Jehovah than all those who were prior to him, as if it were a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebath. He also took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Esau, Baal, the king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and to bow down to him. Further, he set up an altar to Baal at the house of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the sacred pole. Ahab did more to offend Jehovah, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel prior to him. In his days, Heel, the Bethlehite, rebuilt Jericho, at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, he laid its foundation, and at the cost of Shegub, his youngest, he put up its doors, according to the word of Jehovah spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun.
chapter number 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite, an inhabitant of Gilead, said to Ahab, As surely as Jehovah the God of Israel, whom I serve, is living, during these years there will be no dew or rain except by my word. The word of Jehovah came to him, saying, Leave here and turn eastwards and hide at the valley of Shevith, east of the Jordan. You should drink from the stream, and I will command the ravens to supply you food there. He immediately went and did according to the word of Jehovah. He went and stayed by the valley of Shirith, east of the Jordan, and the ravens were bringing him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the stream. But after some days the stream ran dry because there was no rain in the land. The word of Jehovah then came to him, Rise up, go to Sarepath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I will command a widow there to supply you with food. So he rose up and went to Sarephath. When he came to the entrance of the city, there was a widow gathering pieces of wood. So he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup so that I may drink. As he went to get it, he called to her, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. At this she said, As surely as Jehovah your God is living, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the large jar and a little oil in the small jar. Now I am gathering a few pieces of wood, and I will go in and make something for me and my son. After we have eaten, we will die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go in and do as you said. But first make me a small round loaf of bread with what is there, and bring it out to me. Then you can make something afterwards for you and your son. But this is what Jehovah the God of Israel says, The large jar of flour will not run out, and the small jar of oil will not run dry, until the day Jehovah makes it rain on the surface of the ground. So she went and did as Elijah said, and she, together with him and her household, ate for many days. The large jar of flour did not run out, and the small jar of oil did not run dry, according to Jehovah's word that he had spoken through Elijah. After these things, the son of the woman who owned the house fell sick, and his sickness became so severe that he stopped breathing. At this she said to Elijah, What do you have against me, O man of the true God? Have you come to remind me of my guilt and to put my son to death? But he said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her arms and carried him up to the roof chamber where he was staying, and he laid him on his own bed. He called out to Jehovah, O Jehovah my God, are you also bringing harm to the widow? with whom I am staying by putting her son to death. Then he strengthened himself over, out over the child three times and called out to Jehovah, O Jehovah my God, please let this child live. Please let this child's life come back into him. Jehovah listened to Elijah's request, and the life of the child came back into him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the roof chamber into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. 
that the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you truly are a man of God, and that Jehovah's word is your is in your mouth is truth. Chapter number 18 After some time in the third year, Jehovah's word came to Elijah, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the surface of the ground. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, while the famine was severe in Samaria. Meanwhile, Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah greatly feared Jehovah, and when Jezebel was doing away with Jehovah's prophets, Obadiah took one hundred prophets and hid them fifty to a cave, and he supplied them with bread and water. Ahab then said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we can find enough grass to keep the horses and mules alive and not have all our animals die. So they divided between themselves the land they were going to pass through. Ahab went along by one way, and Obadiah went along by another way. As Obadiah was on his way, Elijah was there to meet him. At once he recognized him and fell face down and said, Is this you, my lord Elijah? He replied to him, It is I. Go and tell your lord. Elijah is here. But he said, What sin have I committed that you should hand your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As surely as Jehovah your God is living, there is not a nation or a kingdom where my lord has not sent to look for you. After they said, He is not here, he made the kingdom, and nations swear that they could not find you. Now you are saying, Go and tell your lord Elijah is here. When I depart from you, the Spirit of Jehovah will carry you away to a place I will not know, and when I tell Ahab, and he does not find you, he will surely kill me. Yet your servant has feared Jehovah from his youth. Has my lord not been told that I, what I did when Jezebel was killing the prophets of Jehovah, how I hit one hundred of the prophets of Jehovah by groups of fifty in a cave and kept supplying them bread and water? But now you are saying, Go and tell your lord Elijah is here. He will certainly kill me. However, Elijah said, As surely as Jehovah of armies whom I serve is living, today I will present myself to him. So Abadjah went off to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. As soon as Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is this you, the one bringing great trouble on Israel? To this he said, I have not brought trouble on Israel, but you and the house of your father have, by abandoning the commandments of Jehovah and by following the Baals, and now summon all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, as well as the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the sacred pole who are eating at the table of Jezebel. So Ahab sent word among all the people of Israel and collected the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you be limping, limping between two different opinions? If Jehovah is the true God, follow him, but if Baal is, follow him. But the people did not say a word in answer to him. Elijah then said to the people, 
I am the only prophet of Jehovah left, while the prophets of Baal are 450 men. Let them give us two young bulls, and let them choose one young bull and cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but they should not put fire to it. I will prepare the other young bull, and I will place it on the wood, but I will not put fire to it. Then you must call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Jehovah, the God who answers by fire will show that he is the true God. To this all the people answered, What you say is good. Elijah now said to the prophet of Baal, Choose one young bull and prepare it first, because you are the majority. Then call on the name of your God, but you must not put fire to it. So they took the young bull that was given to them, prepared it, and kept calling on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answering. They kept limping around the altar. that they had made, about noon Elijah began to mock them and say, Call out at the top of your voice. After all, he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or he has gone to relieve himself. Or maybe he is asleep and someone needs to wake him up. They were calling out at the top of their voice and cutting themselves with daggers and lances according to their customs until their blood gushed out all over them. Noon was passed, and they continued in a frenzy, until the time the evening grain offerings is presented, but there was no voice and no answering, no one was paying attention. At length Elijah said to all the people, Approach me, so all the people approached him. Then he repaired the altar of Jehovah that had been torn down. Elijah then took Twelve stones, corresponding to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom Jehovah's word had come, saying, Israel, be, Israel will be your name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of Jehovah. Then he made a trench all around the altar, an area large enough to sow with two sea measures of seed. After that he put the pieces of wood in order, cut the young bull into pieces, and placed it on the wood. He now said, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the piece of wood. Then he said, Do it again. So they did it again. Once more he said, Do it a third time. So they did it a third time. And the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. About the time when the evening grain offering is presented, Elijah the prophet stepped forward and said, O Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that it is by your word that I have done all these things. Answer me, O Jehovah, answer me so that this people may know that you, Jehovah, are the true God, and that you are turning their hearts back to you. At that the fire of Jehovah fell from above and consumed the burnt offerings, the pieces of wood, the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water from the trench. When all the people saw it, they immediately fell face down and said, Jehovah is the true God, Jehovah is the true God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, do not let a single one of them escape. At once they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the stream of Kishon and slaughtered them there. 
Elijah now said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy downpour. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, while Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and crouched on the ground, keeping his face between his knees. Then he said to his attendant, Go up, please, and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing at all. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time his attendant said, Look, there is a small cloud like a man's hand ascending out of the sea. He now said, Go, say to Ahab, Hitch up the chariot, go down, so that the downpour may not detain you. Meanwhile the sky grew dark with clouds, the wind blew, and a heavy downpour fell. And Ahab kept riding and made his way to Jezreel. But the hand of Jehovah came on Elijah, and he wrapped his garment around his hip and ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Chapter number 19 Then Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And yet Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and add to it, if by this time tomorrow I do not make you like each one of them. At that he became afraid, so he got up and ran for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his attendant there. He went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down on the broom tree, and he asked that he might die. He said, It is enough now, O Jehovah, take my life away, for I am no better than my forefathers. Then he lay down and fell asleep under the broom tree, but suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. When he looked, there at his head was a round loaf of heated stones, and a jug of water. He ate and drank and laid down again. Later the angel of Jehovah came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and in the strength of that nourishment he went on for forty days and forty nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of the true God, There he entered a cave and spent the night, and look, Jehovah's word came to him, telling him, What are you doing here, Elijah? To this he said, I have been absolutely zealous for Jehovah, the God of armies, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, your altars they have torn down, and your prophets they have killed with the sword, and I am the only one left. Now they are seeking to take my life away. But he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before Jehovah, and look, Jehovah was passing by, and a great and strong wind was splitting mountains and breaking cracks before Jehovah. But Jehovah was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but Jehovah was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but Jehovah was not in the fire. After the fire there was a calm, low voice, As soon as Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his official garment and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice asked him, What are you doing here, Elijah? To this he said, I have been absolutely zealous for Jehovah the God of armies, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, 
Your altars they have torn down, and your prophets they have killed with the sword, and I am the only one left. Now they are seeking to take my life away. Jehovah said to him, Return and go to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hashiel as king over Syria, and you should anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you should anoint Elisha, Elisa, the son of Zaphath from Abil-Mehola, as prophet to take your place. Anyone escaping from Hashiel's sword, Jehu will put to death. And anyone escaping from Jehu's sword, Elisa will put to death. And I still have left seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bent down to Baal, and whose mouth have not kissed him. So he went from there and found Elisa, the son of Shaphath, while he was plowing with twelve pairs of bulls ahead of him. And he was with the twelfth pair. So Elijah went over to him and threw his official garment on him. At that he left the bulls and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. He replied to him, Go, return, for what I have done to go return, for what have I done to stop you? So he went back and took a pair of bulls and sacrificed them, and he used the ploughing gear to boil the heat of the bulls and gave it to the prophets and gave it to the people, and they ate. After that he rose up and followed Elijah and began to minister to him. Chapter number 20 Now King Ben-Hadad of Syria gathered his whole army together along with thirty-two other kings and their horses and chariots. He went up and laid siege to Samaria and fought against it. Then he sent messengers to King Ahab of Israel at the city and said to him, This is what Ben-Hadad says, Your silver and your gold are mine, as well as the best of your wives and your sons. To this the king of Israel answered, According to your word, my lord the king, I am yours along with all that belongs to me. The messengers later came back and said, This is what Ben-Hadad says, I sent this message to you. Your silver, your gold, and your wives, and your sons you will give me. But about this time tomorrow I will send my servant to you, and they will carefully search your house and the houses of your servant, and all your detestable things they will seize and take away. And as the king of Israel called all the elders of the land, said, Take note, please, and see that this man is bent on bringing calamity, for he demands my wives, my sons, my silver, and my gold, and I did not refuse him. Then all the elders and all the people said to him, Do not obey, and do not consent. So he said to the messenger of Ben-Hadad, Say to my lord the king, All that you first demanded of your servant I will do, but this I cannot do. With that the messengers went off and brought word back to him. Ben-Hadad now sent him this message, So may the gods do to me, and add to it, if there is enough dust in Samaria to give each of the people following me a handful. The king of Israel answered, Tell him, The one who puts on his armor should not boast about himself like one who takes it off. As soon as he heard this reply, 
While he and the king were drinking in their tents, he said to his servants, Get ready to attack. So they got ready to attack the city. But a prophet approached King Ahab of Israel and said, This is what Jehovah says. Have you seen all this large crowd? Here I am giving it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am Jehovah. Ahab asked, By whom? To which he said, This is what Jehovah says, By the attendance of the princesses of the provisions. So he asked, Who will start the battle? To which he said, You. Ahab then counted the attendance of the princes of the providence, and they were two hundred and thirty-two. After that, he counted all the Israelitic men, seven thousand. They went out at noon while Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the tent, along with the thirty-two kings who were helping him. When the attendants of the princes of the providence came out first, Ben-Hadad at once sent messengers. They reported to him, Men have come out from Samaria. And that he said, If they have come out for peace, take them alive. Or if they have come out for battle, you should still take them alive. But when these came out of the city, the attendants of the princes of the providence and the armies that were following them, each one struck down his opponent. Then the Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them. But King Ben-Hadad of Syria escaped on a horse with some of the horsemen. But the king of Israel went out and kept striking down the horses and the chariots, and he inflicted a great defeat on the Syrians. Later the prophet approached the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself and consider what you are going to do, for at the start of the next year the king of Syria will come up against you. Now the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their god is a god of mountains. That is why they overpowered us. But if we fight against them on level land, we will overpower them. Also do this. Remove all the kings from their places and replace them with governors. Then gather an army equal to the army you lost, horses for horses and chariots for chariots. Let us fight against them on level land and we will surely overpower them. So he listened to their advice and did just that. At the start of the year, Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Apec for battle against Israel. The people of Israel were also mustered and supplied, and they went out to meet him. When the people of Israel camped in front of them, they were like two tiny flocks of goats, while the Syrians filled the whole land. Then the man of the true God approached the king of Israel and said, This is what Jehovah says, because the Syrians have said, Jehovah is a god of mountains, and he is not a god of plains. I will give all these large crowds into your hand, and you will certainly know that I am Jehovah. They remained encamped opposite each other for seven days, and on the seventh day the battle began. The people of Israel struck down one hundred thousand Syrians' foot soldiers in one day, and the rest fled to Apec, into the city, but the wall fell down on twenty-seven thousand of the men who were left. Ben-Hadad also fled and came into the city, and he hid in an inner room. So his servants said to him, Look, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us wear sackcloth on our hips and put robes on our heads and go out to the king of Israel. 
Perhaps he will spare your life. So they wore sackcloth around their hips and ropes on their heads and came into the king of Israel and said, Your servant, Ben-Hadad, says, Please let me live. He replied, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took it as an omen and quickly took him and his word, uh, took him at his word. So they said, Benadad is your brother. At that he said, Go and get him. Then Benadad went out to him and he had him get up into the chariot. Benadad now said to him, The cities that my father took from your father, I will return, and you may establish markets for yourself in Damascus, just as my father did in Samaria. Ahab replied, On the basis of this agreement, I will let you go. With that he made an agreement with him and let him go. By the word of Jehovah, one of the sons of the prophets said to his companion, Strike me, please. But the man refused to strike him. So he said to him, Because you did not listen to the voice of Jehovah, as soon as you leave me, a lion will kill you. After he left him, a lion came upon him and killed him. He found another man and said, Strike me, please. So the man struck him and wounded him. Then the prophet went and waited for the king by the road, disguising himself with a bandage over his eyes. As the king was passing by, he cried out to the king, Your servant went into the thick of the battle, and there was a man coming out who brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If he is found missing, your life will have to take the place of his life, or else you will pay a talent of silver. And while your servant was busy here and there, suddenly the man was gone. The king of Israel said to him, So your own judgment will be, you have decided it yourself. Then he quickly removed the bandages from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized that he was one of the prophets. He said to him, This is what Jehovah says, Because you have let the man whom I said should be destroyed escape from your hand, your life must take the place of his life, and your people the place of his people. At that the king of Israel went home to Samaria, sullen and dejected. Chapter number 21. After these things, an incident took place concerning a vineyard that belonged to Naboth, the Jezreelite. It was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard for me to use as a vegetable garden, for it is near my house. Then I will give you a better vineyard to replace it, or if you prefer, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, It is unthinkable from Jehovah's standpoint for me to give you the inheritance of my forefathers. So Ahab came into his house, sullen and dejected, over the answer that Naboth the Jesuelite had given him, when he said, I will not give it, give you the inheritance of my forefathers. Then he laid down on his bed, kept his face turned away, and refused to eat. His wife, Jezebel, came in to him and asked him, Why are you so sad that you refuse to eat? He replied to her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Give me your vineyard for money, or if you prefer, let me give you another vineyard to replace it. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. His wife, Jezebel, said to him, Are you not the one ruling as king of Israel? 
Get up, eat something, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jesuelites. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who lived in Naboth city. She wrote in a letter, Proclaim a fast and have Naboth sit at the head of the people and have two good-for-nothing men sit in front of him and testify against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then bring him out and stone him to death. So the men of his city, the elders and the nobles who lived in his city, did just as was written in the letter that Jezebel sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and had Naboth sit at the head of the people. Then two of the good-for-nothing men came in and sat down in front of him and began to testify against Naboth in front of the people, saying, Naboth has cursed God and the king. After that they brought him to the outskirts of the city and stoned him to death. They now sent word to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up, take possession of the vineyards of Naboth the Israelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is no longer alive, he is dead. As soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab got up to go down to the vineyards of Naboth the Israelite to take possession of it. But Jehovah's word came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Get up, go down to meet Ahab the king of Israel, who is in Samaria. There he is in the vineyards of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession of it. You must tell him, this is what Jehovah says, Have you murdered a man and also taken his property? Then say to him, this is what Jehovah says, In the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, the dogs will lick up your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, O my enemy. He replied, I have found you, because you are determined to do what is bad in the eyes of Jehovah. Here I am bringing calamity upon you, and I will make a clean sweep after you and will annihilate from Ahab every male, including the helpless and weak in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahia, for you have provoked my anger and have caused Israel to sin." Also concerning Jezebel. Jehovah has said, The dogs will eat up Jezebel in the plot of land of Jezebel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs will eat up, and anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens will eat up. Indeed, there has never been anyone like Ahab who was so determined to do what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah, egged on by his wife Jezebel. He acted in the most detestable ways by going after the disgusting idols, just as all the Amorites has done, whom Jehovah drove out from before the Israelites. As soon as Ahab heard these words, he ripped his garments apart and put sackcloth on his body, and he went on a fast and kept lying down in sackcloth and walking despondently. Jehovah's word then came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself on my account? Because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the calamity during his lifetime. I will bring the calamity upon his house in the days of his son. 
Chapter number 22. For three years there was no war between Syria and Israel. In the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went down to the king of Israel. Then the king of Israel said to his servant, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to, you, to us, and yet we are hesitating to take it back from the king of Syria? He then said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight a Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am the same as you. My people are the same as your people. My horses are the same as your horses. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, First inquire, please, for the word of Jehovah. So the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said to them, Should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, and should I or should I refrain? They said, Go up, and Jehovah will give it into the king's hands. Jehoshaphat then said, Is there not here a prophet of Jehovah? Let us also inquire through him. At that the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one more man through whom we can inquire of Jehovah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good things concerning me, only bad. He is Micaiah, the son of Imelah. However, Jehoshaphat said, The king should not say such a thing. So the king of Israel called a court official and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlach, quickly. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were each sitting on his throne, dressing in royal attire at the dressing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying before them. Then Zedekiah, the son of Seranadad, made for himself iron horns and said, This is what Jehovah says. With these you will gore the Syrians until you exterminate them. All the other prophets were prophesying the same, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead, and you will be successful. Jehovah will give it into the king's hand. So the messengers who went to call Micaiah uh, said to him, Look, the word of the prophets are unnamelessly favorable to the king. Let your word please come like their words and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as Jehovah is living, Whatever Jehovah says to me is what I will speak. Then he came in to the king, and the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or should we refrain? At once he replied, Go up and go, go up, and you will be successful. Jehovah will give it into the king's hand. At that the king said to him, How many times must I put you on the oath not to speak to me anything but the truth in the name of Jehovah? So he said, I see all the Israelites scattered on the mountains, like sheep that have no shepherd, Jehovah said. These have no master. Let each one go back to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you, he will not prophesy good things concerning me, only bad? Micaiah then said, Therefore, hear the word of Jehovah. I saw Jehovah sitting on his throne, and all the army of the heavens standing by him, to his right hand and to his left. Jehovah then said, Who will fool Ahab, so that he will go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one was saying one thing, while another said another thing. Then a spirit came forward and stood before Jehovah and said, I will fool him. Jehovah asked him, How will you do it? 
He replied, I will go out and become a deceptive spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. So he said, You will fool him, and what is more, you will be successful. Go out and do that. And now Jehovah has put a deceptive spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. But Jehovah has declared calamity on you. Zedekiah, the son of Sinachar, now approached and struck Micaiah on the cheeks and said, Which way did the Spirit of Jehovah pass from me to speak with you? Micaiah replied, Look, you will see which way on the day when you will enter the innermost room to hide. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and turn him over to Amnon, the chiefs of the city, and to Uaz, the king's son. Tell them, this is what the king says, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with a reduced allowance of bread and water until I return in peace. But Micaiah said, If you do return in peace, Jehovah has not spoken with me. Then he added, Take note, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel now said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and will go into the battle, but you should put on your royal attire. So the king of Israel disguised himself and entered the battle. Now the king of Syria had <coughs> ordered his thirty-two chariots commanders, do not fight with anyone small or great except the king of Israel. And as soon as the chariots commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they said to themselves, Surely it is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat began to cry for help. When the chariots commanders saw that it was not the king of Israel, they immediately turned back from following him. But one man shot his bow at random, and he struck the king of Israel between the joints of his coat of mail. So the king said to his charioters, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I have been badly wounded. The fighting raged throughout the day, and the king had to be propped up in the chariot, facing the Syrians. The blood of the wound poured out into the interior of the war chariots, and he died in the evening. Around sunset a cry passed through the camp, saying, Everyone to his city, everyone to his land. Thus the king died, and he was brought to Samaria. They buried the king in Samaria. When they washed off the war chariots by the pool of Samaria, the dogs licked up his blood, and the prostitute bathed there, according to the word that Jehovah had spoken. As for the rest of the history of Ahab, all that he did, and the house of ivory that he built, and all the cities that he built, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the king of Israel? Then Ahab was laid to rest with his forefathers, and his son Ahaziah became king in his place. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of the king Ahab of Israel. Jehoshaphat was thirty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned for twenty-five years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ahzubah, the daughter of Shili. He kept walking in all the ways of Asa, his father. He did not deviate from it, and he did what was right in Jehovah's eyes. However, the high places were not removed, and the people were still sacrificing and making sacrificial smoke on the high places. 
Jehoshaphat kept peaceful relations with the king of Israel. As for the rest of the history of Jehoshaphat, his mighty exploits and how he waged war, is it not written in the book of the history of the times of the king of Judah? He also cleared out of the land the rest of the male temple prostitutes who had been left over in the days of Asa his father. Then there was no king in Edom, and Deputy was acting as king. Jehoshaphat also made Tarshish ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go because the ships were wrecked at Ishi-un-Geber. It was then that Ahashiah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servant go with your servants in the ships, but Jehoshaphat did not consent. Then Jehoshaphat was laid to rest with his forefathers, and was buried with his forefathers in the city of David, his forefather, and his son Jehoram became king in his place. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the seventh year of King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and he reigned over Israel for two years, and he kept doing what was bad in the eyes of Jehovah and walking in the ways of his father and his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebath, who had caused Israel to sin. He continued serving Baal and bowing down to him and kept offending Jehovah, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. So this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. This was, of course, the last one of First King. Now we come to Second King. This is Kenneth Anderson signing off. It's the 17th of January 2023. The time is 2038, and it is Tuesday. Bye.